two kinds of new. N-E-W. All right. I want to invite every one of you to embark on a journey of change. There are changes that we make in life that are maintenance changes. Maintenance changes. You change the oil in your car. You change the filter in your furnace. Hopefully you do. <laughs> uh, you better. You change the oil in your car, you change the filter in your furnace, and you change your toothbrush. And your teeth thanks you. And so does the whole rest of your body while all those germs are not going down your throat. But there are changes that are not maintenance changes that happen, and God wants to take us on a journey of change that is not maintenance change. Maintenance change keeps things going as they are. It's main, if you're changing this, and it's supposed to keep this going and keep it, keep it good and clean, you change your oil, it's going to keep your engine running, it's going to keep... Um, but... There's another kind of change that's transformational in nature. Not just maintenance. So I want you to contrast in your mind two kinds of change. Maintenance and transformational. Oxidation. Presence of oxygen. Changes fruit. Sitting out on the counter at your grandmother's house. Do you ever have blackberries sitting out on the counter and go by them and pick up a smell of, those are working. That's what we sell in the country. Man, those berries are working. The pre that, that sugar in the presence of oxygen starts working and there's an oxidation process that turns that into alcohol. That's how you make wine. So you're making wine. But you know what? It would, what happens if you take a bottle of wine and leave the lid off? It's in the presence of oxygen. You know, berries and wine are not the same thing. And so, if it's in the presence of oxygen, that wine, leave the lid off it will become vinegar. It will become a one, the second oxidation will make it vinegar. That's transformational. How many of you want to share a bottle of vinegar with your wife on Valentine's Day? I don't think so. Wine to vinegar is transformational change. It changes the nature of a thing. It changes its content. It goes from alcohol to acetic acid. It goes to some other thing that has a different purpose on the earth. In 2 Corinthians 3.7, I'm going to use several scriptures today talking about the two kinds of new. 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 7, I'm going to kind of skip around, but if you'll turn there, and if you don't have your Bible or turn, make a note and jot these scriptures down, and then later in your private prayer time, get them out 
and look at them because this is the journey we're going to go on. We're already on it, but we're going to go on it with an intention of understanding um, what's happening to us. So he starts out, Paul is talking about the ministry of death that was written and engraved in stones was glorious. He's talking about the law. He's talking about Moses going up to get the law. And he said this ministry that was the law was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the face of Moses. When he came down from the mountain, where he'd been in the presence of the Lord, and he had the tablets and everything, he came down, they could not look at him. Do you know why they could not look at him? Talk, yes, he, he's shining, wasn't he? His face was bright. He was reflecting the glory of God and he was shining. And so they could not look at him. So what they did, what he did, uh, was to put a veil over him. And so that veil became symbolic of the law. That the law is a veil that hides glory. Glory's there, but it's hidden. It's veiled. Okay, now let's look further at the verse. Another reason he put the veil was that the glory was passing away. He had been there in the presence of the Lord and he was shining when he came down. But every day he was shining less. It was passing away. So they veiled it, not just because they couldn't bear to look at it. At first they couldn't, but then they veiled it so they would not see the passing away of it. Verse 9, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory... So Paul is saying that the law was a ministry of condemnation. And we know that the law is perfect and there's nothing wrong with the law. Jesus said that. But because of the lack of the grace of God poured out in the gospel, it ministered condemnation to the hearers. So if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For what was made glorious had no glory in this respect for the glory that was coming after it. Then in verse uh, 12, Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, that Israel could not look at the end of what was passing away. There was, he was like covering what was leaving. That's what Paul is describing here. That he was covering what was leaving. And so, he's, then Paul says, but even to this day when Moses is read... I'm just kind of keeping an eye on my phone since my honey went out of here looking kind of gray. Um, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, when one turns to the Lord, Jesus Christ, the veil is taken away. So that veil where you can't enter in gets taken away in Jesus Christ. Verse 17. Now the Lord is this now the Lord is the spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the verse that in one little capsule tells Christian life in the gospel. The veil has been taken out of the way. And so we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, this glory. The glory of the Lord. What is the difference, what was the difference in the Old Testament reflective glory that fades and the New Testament glory that transforms. The Old Testament glory was a fading glory. The New Testament glory is a transformative glory. The essential difference in the Old Testament reflective glory that fades is that the blood had not been shed to open the heart for the transformative work of glory. This is the journey we're embarking on. A transformative work of glory. Not just changing the oil, changing the filter on the furnace. We're going to be turned into wine and hopefully not vinegar. But, but you never know. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have transformative work in our hearts. Do you ever just get worn out with trying to do better? Trying to be nicer, trying to do better, trying to figure out how to do this Christian thing, and this is so hard. God wants to put you in a place where because the blood of Jesus has sprinkled your heart, you'll be able to behold Him in a way that will actually transform you. Now, let's look at Colossians 3, verse 10. Oh, I, I've got something to tell here about the two kinds of new that I'm just like busting down my skin about. Uh, and that ain't it. That's the introduction. And we have, <laughs> we have put on Colossians 3.10. Y'all listen good and take some notes because it'll have a little Greek in it. And I don't mean little Greek who makes sandwiches. In New York. <laughs> Colossians 3.10 You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now let's think about it. Let's sit with that a second. You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. Where there's neither Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, I don't know how you say it, Scythian. What it is is a really barbaric Russian. Slave or free. <laughs> I mean, barbarian and then double barbarian. Um, slave or, nor free. And when I said Russian, that is the part of the world where they were. Not that I have anything against Russia. Slave nor free, but Christ is all and is in all. So, this working starts first 
with what Paul said, you have put on new man. First kind of new is new man. New man. New man, the word new man is neos. This is the little Greek making the sandwich. Neos. N-E-O-S. Neos. It means new on the scene. New on the scene. Recently revealed. What was not there before? Including what was recently discovered. Neos suggests, suggests something new in time. In contrast to its near synonym, kainos, which I'm saying wrong. I'm just Englishizing these Greek words. I'm sure Carol's grinding her Greek teeth. <laughs> and so here's a contrast. In this one sentence, there's two words for new. There is a new man. And then there's renewed new man. New man is never was there before new man. Do you know when you came to know the Lord, you became a new person? When you received the Lord and received the Holy Spirit, you became a new person. You put off the old man or old person and you became new man. In Christ. We are a new man in Christ. And so this is the first new. It is something that happens. It happens in time. You can mark the time. That's new. God doesn't leave new just alone. He's got new man. He's got new man in you. But he has an action he's going to do on new man and new man in you. It's not just you got, oh, I was saved. I got... I'm a new man, I've changed my ways, I decided I was going to do this, I put off these things, I asked God to do a work in me, I came into my life, and I'm a new man. And this is as good as it gets, I'm a new man. If that is where your heart is that you think, that's it. Oh, I'm a new man, if I'm a new man in Christ, why do I want to run over somebody who cuts me off on the road? I mean, if you... If you think new man is you've got the whole package and that's it and you have new man and nothing else happens to you, that is a very small picture of what happens. New man is just the beginning. It's new in time. It was never there before. When God does the work in you, it's never there before when you come to Him. You put on new man who is renewed. Paul made up this word, I do believe. It's only used twice in the New Testament. And some uh, scholars say that he made, he made up words because the things that were happening and what he was experiencing had never happened. So he had to make up a word for it. I mean, isn't that great for people who make up words? I make up words. And so people are like, what is that? I'm like, that's a word I made up. But that he was making up words to describe a wonderful thing. Because he just didn't have a word that would describe what was happening and what was going to happen. And so, first new is new man. Second new is renewed new man. The first new is neos, that little Greek making sandwich. 
And then the second one is Anna Anacano. That I'm sure that's not anywhere close to pronunciation. But it is. That's the word. And that word means to renew. It is to renew. This is what we're told that we, we're going to have. To renew, a, this is how renew is. It's from renew by moving from one stage to a higher, more developed stage. It doesn't mean greater. It just means a higher, more developed stage. And so, renew... To renew by moving from one stage to a higher, more developed stage and making something quantitatively new. Not new in time, but it takes the thing that is new in time and oxidizes it. Changes the nature of it. Makes the quantity Qualitative, did I say quantitative? I meant to say qualitatively. Qualitatively new. That the quality is new. And so how you become new in God is not by writing a list, which I write a list, I check it twice, I say, uh, hated a little bit today, got over it, uh, cussed once, uh, write down my list of stuff I need. How you're made new is not by knowledge. It says renewed in knowledge. This word is to make something different qualitatively. It only occurs in two places in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, which we're going to look at in a minute, and Colossians 3.10. And both times it's referring to God ever transforming the believer. It's a word that was made to suit that. It is the renewing of the new man. So if the new man, the new man is a new man from God and it's in the image of Christ, why would you have to renew something that's new man from God? That's the process. That's how it works. And so, this word is the renewing of the new man. And the word that Paul used in speaking of transformative change. Well, this tells us in Colossians 3.10 that it's renewed in knowledge. Oh, God, I love this. Oh, Jesus. The word in knowledge... Is not facts. The little Greek called it epinosos. Gnosis. Epinosis. It's knowledge that is gained through first hand experience. Knowledge that is gained through first hand experience. Through first-hand relationship. Properly, it's called contact knowledge. The first chapter of John, he said, 
We're going to tell you about something that we've seen with our eyes. Our hands have handled. We touched this. You know, when you get up close to a person, you feel the vibe of that person. You feel the energy of that person. I'm not getting creepy here. You just do. If somebody wants to shoot themselves on a given day and you get close to them, you'll feel that. If somebody's full of joy and you get close to them, you'll feel that. And so this knowledge that renews the new man is not a knowledge of where you're writing these things down and you're going to get to know these things and I know these Greek words and man, I'm turning into a Greek scholar and I've got this down. I know these, these facts about God. It's not knowledge of facts. Knowledge about facts puffs up. That's how people stand and fight over end times or fight over this theological thing or this practice in Christianity and get extremely upset or whatever, fighting and arguing. It's not that kind of knowledge. Like you have to have the perfect knowledge to make it all work right. You have to have contact knowledge. Contact knowledge is knowledge that you have in the presence of God. It's the kind of knowledge that Moses had when he went up on the mountain and he was literally in the glory. He was right before the body of clearness, before the throne of God Almighty. And when he came down, he was glowing. He was transfixed, transfigured, I guess you call it. But it didn't stick because the work hadn't been done on the cross. The thing had not been done that opens the heart so that contact knowledge transforms the new man into a renewed new man. This is good preaching, I'm telling you. I know it may sound a little, uh, Jane, where are you going? This is all over the map. But renewed in quality, one stage to a higher stage of development. Renewed in knowledge, contact knowledge. That is firsthand, experiential knowing. This is defined. Oh, I don't want to go into all that. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Do you ever feel like you're going to lose heart because your body is like, what? You're fighting some battle in your, in your physical self or whatever, the earth and the flesh just seems so hard, so difficult. We do not lose heart because even though the outward person is decaying, decaying, you know, eventually you will die unless the, the total end comes. You know, the people that taught the never die doctrine, we cannot have them come and speak because they're dead. So you are, we are decaying. This is the thing that's happening. But God is renewing the new man within us. So though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man, the new man, is being renewed day by day. So after you come to the Lord and you're saved and you are the new man, you have the new man, you know, I'm a new person in Christ. God's done a work in my life. It's not over there, not at all. 
You have to have this contact information. You have to have this time in the presence of the Lord with His Word and before Him so that glory can come off of His Word and come off of His presence and enter into your heart that the gospel and the blood of Christ has opened. And that will renew the new man. And though you're decaying on some level on the outside, on the inside, your new man is being renewed. And so the Scripture says that same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, He's able to actually make alive your physical self. In uh, John 3, 3 John, not John 3, 3 John, Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your renewed new man is prospering. Even as your renewed new man is prospering. So I want to invite you to come on a journey. I want to invite you to renewal that happens by contact knowledge. You say, well, what, you know, how does that happen? What do we need to do? Where do we need to go? In the Word of God and in prayer and come before Him. And in His presence, the Scripture says, if you go in your closet and you shut the door that the one who sees in the secret place, that's your Father. He sees in the secret place. He will reward you openly. In Colossians, the Scripture says, put to death This is what the old man happens to him. Put to death. Make it into a corpse. These things. Let's look at Colossians uh, 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. I should have marked my place. Mm. Put to death. Verse 5. Live as one who has died to. Put to death. Make a corpse without life, as dead, inoperative, mortify, deprive of life or energizing power, sexual sin and impurity. Desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is covetousness, which is the essence of idol worship. And in like the New King James, I have the Passion Translation, but it delineates these in words that we understand. Put it, when you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against you. That's how you once behaved, characterized by evil deeds. But it's time to eliminate from your life, and here's a list. You can make this a corpse. Hold a little funeral for it. Make this a corpse. Anger. Make a corpse out of fits of rage. 
make a corpse out of all forms of hatred. Hatred is so popular now. Oh my goodness. I can hardly bear to listen to anything because of the vitriol that's in how people are talking. It's so much hatred. Uh, anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred. Cursing. Hello. Filthy speech and lying. Put it to death. Put it off or lay it aside. And then there's a two, two words for putting off. One is lay it aside. And the other one is, in the same passage, if you're reading it in New King James or NIV or one of those, put it aside as one. And the other one is violently strip it away. Violently strip it away. Just know that God's plan for you is not for you to use your ingenuity to try to figure out how you're going to work through or walk through or overcome things that are a part of this old man. That needs to be made a corpse of because you're a new man in Christ. And what causes the new man in Christ to be alive and swallowing up death and victory is this contact knowledge of renewal that happens when we're in the presence of the Lord and in His Word. So I want to invite you, and we're going to stop at this point, I want to invite you to make a commitment to the Lord to say to Him, if you'd like to stand together, we'll, we'll make our commitments and, uh, and then we'll go downstairs and we'll eat food because it's food we like. I would like for you to make a commitment to the Lord to allow the Spirit to renew your new man. To do the work that creates qualitative change, like metamorphosis, where you're transformed from caterpillar to butterfly, or you transform from one form of a thing into something that is completely a different form of, of it. So that your life and your heart is transformed from wherever you are right now in your love for the Lord and in your level of faith and your ability to minister or whatever God is calling you to do, that the working of God's Spirit and of His grace will Renew your new man. And so if you need to say to the Lord, I strip off and I hold a funeral in my heart for the things you said, get rid of that. Don't even have that near you. Go, get, 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 hold a funeral. And then this new man in Christ that is in you, that is in you by the Holy Spirit, open your heart to allow the Lord to renew the new man. Because this is how he does it. Contact knowledge. Time in his presence. Time in his word. Time in prayer. Time talking with friends about him. 
time where you can sense the presence of the Lord in the conversation that you're having with people about the things of the Lord or His Word, that it will live to you, come alive, and do this transformative work in you. Because what God wants to do is He doesn't want us to have glory that can't penetrate. That we receive glory and then, whoa, it's get a veil real quick because this glory is fading. He doesn't want us to have glory that doesn't penetrate. He wants us to have glory from wide open hearts, from contact with Him, where the blood has been applied and the Holy Spirit can come and transform us from one glory, one quality of a thing, to another glory, one quali another quality of a thing, by the Spirit of the Lord, by time before Him and in His presence. And as we look at Him... If we're looking at Him, we're not thinking uh, hate, murder, lying. We're thinking Rose of Sharon, Alpha and Omega. Isn't He beautiful? As you begin to gaze on Him and consider who He is and look at His names and get in His Word and see who He is, He will impart to you the quality of his very self. We're being transformed not into some nice Christian uh, trophy to sit up on a shelf like a little, uh, one of those little Russian dolls, whatever they're called, the little round things, I guess they wobble. Um, we're not some ornate little thing. We're being transformed into look like him. We're being really, truly, not just... Uh, well, I'm trying. I'm going to do my very best. This is about to wear me out, but I'm, I'm doing... He wants to work in us to transform us so that that qualitative change comes. So when we're beholding Him, if you get in Psalm 23 and it's the Lord, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid. Because you are with me. You're spreading out a table and, and just looking at that and letting the reality that the Lord is your shepherd Come into your wide open heart in His presence. It will transform you. It will do a work in you. It will, it will change you. It will soften your heart. It will instruct you. It will put your heart, your eyes on Him. On Him. And as Paul said in Corinthians, and we all with un veiled face in Christ in the new man the veil has been taken away we all with unveiled face beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord being changed into the same image icon the little Greek said, icon, into the same image.
the very exact representation, the image of Christ. Being a Christian isn't trying to do better and trying to be nice and trying to get through it so you can get to heaven. It is letting God come in your wide open heart and transform you on the inside to be like Jesus. That you're actually being transformed. It's not like, oh, the wine doesn't have to say, I think I'm wine now. I'm wine now. I think I'm wine now. When the transformation comes, it's wine. And if you leave it alone with the lid off, another transformation will come. It'll be vinegar, and you can't make it go back and be wine. Because the transformation comes. He wants us to be wide open hearts before Him so transformation can come. And the things you struggle with or been hopeless about or not had faith about or whatever, that those things will be transformed by looking at Him. I want to lift Jesus up in this house today and ask you to look at Him. You know, in the Old Testament, when they were bit by those serpents, they had snakes all around them. And Moses made a snake uh, image of a snake and put it up on a pole and everyone who looked at that was healed because they lifted their eyes up off the thing that was scaring the liver out of them around the ground and lifted their eyes up to the Jehovah Rapha Jesus the healer and they looked at that representation that was lifted up Jesus is your healer their eyes went on him and they began to consider him and so the transformation took place in them. They were healed. Father, in Jesus' name, we say yes to you. We want to be transformed. We want our hearts transformed. We want a, a work that's deeper than a, the shell. We want a work in our hearts that, that you do, that transforms us into your personality, your nature, who you are. That on this earth we can be people that are giving glory, giving life, blessing, and having power of God in us because of the transformations that you have done in our hearts. And we set ourselves today as a congregation, let's just lift our hands and say, yes, 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 I lift my eyes up to you, Jesus. Do your transforming work. Renew my new man. Renew my new man. Renew my new man. Renew my new man. Push the refresh button on me. Reset this thing. Do what you do, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.